1: It's
2: what you call the boredom.
1: Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14.
0: Get tickets now. Daniel, Janine, welcome back to the Eater Upsell. Pew, pew, pew.
1: Amanda Clute, uh, let's do our things. Who are we? My okay. name is Daniel. I'm a producer here at Eater. Your name is Amanda Clute. You are the editor-in-chief in chief
0: of Eater. And every week on this show, we talk about the most interesting food stories.
1: Whether they're an anecdote or big news items.
0: Could be serious. Could be silly.
1: We talk about them. Give our take. We ring a bell like this. And then we move on.
0: And sometimes we have guests.
1: Sometimes we have guests. Usually we have a guest or two. Yeah. Someone dropping in to tell us something about their beat, or someone from the outside world telling us about something that's going on. And uh, that's what we do here, and we hope you like it. If you do, subscribe to the show, give us some stars, shoot us emails at upsell.eater.com. And um,
0: this week on the show, we're going to talk about uh, Michelin L.A., Michelin California. Oh, sorry, I Daniel. keep doing that. I know the Michelin I guide know. has landed
1: in California. And there's guide been to some California. a little bit of uh, there's some heat. There's some heat.
0: Uh, we are talking about a person who thought he was eating an Impossible Whopper, but was not. Uh, yeah,
1: an pretty... Impossible uh, Burger King in Bushwick.
0: Yeah, has, uh, bonkers, bonkers story. Don't don't give it away. An... Don't give it away. Okay, it away. okay. Uh, we're going to talk about a Bumble cafe.
1: Bumble, the dating app, opened a cafe.
0: And so much more. So much more. Stay tuned.
1: Uh, up first. A first. Wait, I, first,
0: you have a beef. I have a beef. Have
1: well, beef. I have
0: a tell question me, for tell you. Tell me your beef.
1: I have a question for you. Okay. okay. Uh, maybe this, this isn't a thing that I've dealt with in a while, but you know, when you, when you talk about a movie with someone for long enough,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: right? When you talk about a movie with someone for long enough, I feel like, the depending on your relationship with that person, it starts to become a thing that you are going to do together. You talk about a movie enough, oh, can't wait for this movie. Oh, you also like this movie. Blah, 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 blah. I
0: see where this <coughs> is going.
1: It's then the kind of thing where if I went and did that on my own, I would know that I was I would feel a little guilty, like I had broken the pact. Even
0: if even if well, you well, can let's, see let's the movie this again, of, again the next th- day. Let's
1: take well, no, let's take this out of the uh the 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 analogy. Okay. This is what happened. There was a restaurant <laughs> that opened close to the office called Crown Shy by a couple of talented chefs, yep. talented restaurant people. yep One very talented close to the chef, office. one
0: talented restaurant person.
1: Um there aren't many good restaurants in Fidei. There aren't many like good, no, kind of trendy-ish restaurants in Fidei near our office. We've talked a lot about their branding, but we've also talked about how it could be exciting to have a really cool restaurant mm-hmm. near the office, especially for you to do cool lunches and things. I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. boss, mm-hmm. boss mm-hmm. shit. Yep.
2: Um.
1: <clears throat> and we've talked a lot about it. Okay. Our colleague, Leslie Suter, came to town Monday oh, wait, night. Was,
0: I'm going to say this also. We talk about it and we say, oh, yeah, we should go there. Yeah. We should get a drink there sometime. Thank you for, thank should, you for that. Yeah. Thank
1: you. Wow. It it's even... not just
0: we're talking about the restaurant, but we've actually said, like, yeah, we should go there we'll sometime. We'll go there. Yeah. Let's put a time. Sometime.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our colleague comes to town. Uh, I was going to take her there, but I didn't because I gave you an ex- a, a, a wrong reason, but I didn't because I was saving it. For For me. Yeah. To go for our to have our first times there.
0: You (laughs) you told me you didn't take her there because you thought it might be dead at 10 p.m. on a Monday night, which is also pretty good reason not to go.
1: (laughs) I find out the next day you and Leslie are having dinner and without batting an eye. Crown Shy. You're like, hey, I'm just going to let you know we're going to Crown Shy. (laughs) and then i said something like do you feel guilty <laughs> and then you said no and i said clearly you feel a little you guilty you said
0: we had a pact we had
1: a pact you was you felt a little and guilty I said, or else you wouldn't have gone out of your way to tell me that you guys were going to crown <laughs> shy that's is this is my whole thing and i wanted to ask you if you felt Regardless of this beef and me being petty and insecure and all these things, uh-huh. do you feel like it is that there is the same thing in restaurants as there are as there is with movies, where you talk about something with someone else long enough, you say like, "Oh, we should do it, we should do it." Do you feel like you are you are breaking the pact?
0: No. No. What yes you do? What <laughs> no, do you I don't. Well, I do. <laughs> I clearly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the debate is about. Like multiple times throughout the past few weeks. I've almost gone to Crown Shy. Yeah. With different people. Yeah. I never thought Dan's gonna be upset. I've always <laughs> thought I'm gonna tell Dan <laughs> to let him know how it is because we keep talking about it and we're gonna go there sometime.
1: So I was just
0: So I think of Crown Shy as a place that you and I will go to at some point still. But But I didn't think we had to experience it for the first time together as a team.
1: <laughs> Do you think there is any magic in the first time of the restaurant visit?
0: I don't know.
1: Cause like if I go to people with people to restaurants and I'm like oh I'm gonna take you to this cool restaurant and they you know I show them and they're like oh I've been I'm like oh fuck this we're going somewhere else You yeah. know, like there is something about that first time experiencing the thing together for the first time that I was you know
0: well and showing someone something for the first time you're
1: right these are different things yeah these are like, different like I
0: remember things. being very excited to take Bill our former critic to Saint Anselm which is one yeah. of my favorite restaurants because he'd never experienced it and I thought he would just be blown away by it. But then, joke's on me because he didn't even like it that much. So yeah. then it sucks.
1: <laughs> you know, it didn't do it.
0: It didn't quite. <laughs> it's just. Very good, <laughs> Bill. Bill. <laughs>
1: All I want to say with this segment is I think that we should we should um, accept that, for me at least, or maybe we should join forces for this. Mm-hmm. There is. We should come up with a restaurant pact. Like, we,
0: we, need to, we need to have more things well, you in, need to declare writing, it. I think.
1: You need to do, well, maybe not even about this specific thing. But even just like. That can be a thing. A new place opens, mm-hmm. and you'd be like...
0: Well, now I know this about you. Oh, no, but it's and not so a now I'll thing. Be more, it's not a I'll thing. be more sensitive to this. <laughs> it's not a thing.
1: It's not a me thing. It's a general thing that I feel like you are particularly insensitive to.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I might be. I remember when The Fly opened by my apartment. The Fly is this very hip natural wine and chicken bar. Yeah. And I was talking to so many people about it.
1: And then everyone was mortified.
0: Maybe and then so then just... I, went, I just went a bunch of times. I'm like, I'll go with all of you. Yeah. But I think when people found out like, oh, you're at The Fly with with like JJ? Yeah. What?
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe people are just, maybe I'm just, uh, I'm the only one obnoxious enough to actually complain to you about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, actually everyone in my life is like why are you always going to restaurants like, she's constantly breaking packs <laughs> we had a <it> pack <laughs> one more thing Daniel before we get into stories another thing another thing we have a big conference slash summit coming up in Brooklyn and I just want to all of our listeners to know about it. It is on July 27th. It's happening in Williamsburg. It's going to be a whole day of talks and tastings and workshops and demos celebrating up-and-coming talent in the food world. It is called the Eater Young Guns Summit.
1: Can I ask you a question? Yes. How much is it?
0: It is $65. For a whole day? For a whole freaking day. Including food? Including food and drink. It's wild. Like I'm probably getting in trouble for it (laughs) because I demanded it be a low price so that young people could go. Some yeah. someone on the business side said to me yesterday, "You know young people also have money, right?"
1: I was just going to say <laughs> some young people have money, <laughs> yeah.
0: Which is true, but I really wanted it to be accessible, so
1: So it's just going to sell out.
0: I hope it sells out. Obviously
1: it's going to sell out. That's Remember we did that do... we did that Taiwanese dinner in the test kitchen and it was like Yeah,
0: we underpriced it.
1: $45 and it sold out in like 4 seconds. But
0: that was a like 30-person dinner, and this is a 700-person event, so we got to get the message out, Daniel.
1: Amanda Clute, last week, as you do sometimes, slash frequently, you got a crazy tip.
0: Got a tip. Less frequent than I like. Really? Now that I'm in management. Yeah. Less. Oh, you less... used to get
1: lots of text tips.
0: Oh, I mean, I mean, I was a reporter. All what the was time. the greatest?
1: Do you have any any idea what the greatest tip you ever got was? There some one that was just like one of
0: my favorite stories was. I mean, this was maybe before your time, but when Michael White and Chris Cannon split up. Okay. That, this was this restaurateur duo that yeah. was like owned this town. Yeah. And they were huge, and then they had this like epic divorce.
1: Michael White's still very big.
0: Yeah, he's big, but not the way he was. Um. He and was you, like the shit.
1: And you got a text.
0: I got maybe it was an, an email, email tip or whatever. I had to, I had to chase it down anyway.
1: But it was from someone inside saying, "Hey, you should look into this." Yeah, shit.
0: yeah. But so this tip was about <laughs> actually a friend of a friend who was ordering <laughs> Impossible Burgers from a Brooklyn Burger King. Mm-hmm. He wants to be he wants to remain nameless because <laughs> his friends will make fun of him for ordering.
1: Not only Impossible Whoppers. Burgers, but also a fish a fish sandwich. Yeah, he also got a fish sandwich.
0: So he's he's been ordering these Impossible Whoppers mm-hmm. from his local Burger King. They're on the seamless. Uh, he was eating them for a few weeks, and then he was walking by the Burger King more recently, walked in to order an Impossible Burger, and the manager was like, oh, we don't have that here. And his Boom. mind exploded. <laughs> Whoa. And he said, no, no, I've been ordering them. And the manager said, no. That's on our seam list, but it's a mistake. We've just been sending beef burgers to people who order Impossible burgers.
1: Is that what the manager said to him? Yeah. Okay.
0: And Holy he said, shit. "I tell the drivers to tell the customer that it's a beef burger." For, and I mean, for two weeks, do we need to explain what Impossible is, or do you think people know at this well, point? Well,
1: quickly, Impossible is the super trendy vegan patty, beef like,
0: meat like,
1: yeah, uh, patty taking over the taking over America.
0: And Burger King introduced them, which mm-hmm. we talked about on the show, but not everywhere yet. So they, no. these are not available in New York. You can't get them. They're having supply at Burger King. issues. Well, also, they, I think they want to do a <laughs> gradual rollout. So they rolled it out in like St. Louis. Right. Yesterday, it rolled out in California, but it's this gradual thing. New York won't get them until October. Because, <laughs> you know, Burger King's such a big chain.
1: So. The guy, obviously, your friend of friend, mm-hmm. had been ordering them. They'd been coming to his house. He's just
0: been eating beef whoppers. Tons Did of, not know. Tons of
1: beef. But also, the drivers clearly have not been telling him. No. That. The, the, the,
0: no, the drivers have no. not. Oh, Of course not. And, like, who expects the driver to do that?
1: Hello? Do you have the content? We actually ordered a couple of these burgers.
0: Yes, when we heard this story. Right when we story. found out
1: to uh, Winsun, a restaurant that is... Very close by. Mm-hmm. Trig Brown of Winsun, we sent you uh, one regular Whopper and one Impossible Whopper. And did, were they
3: delivered? They, they were delivered. <laughs> um, and I have uh, I have my partner, Jesse Chappelle, here with me. Hey, Jesse. Hello, Dan. We're trying to verify um, if one is indeed impossible.
1: You guys have one of each. What do you think? Do you think they're the same?
3: If these are different burgers, I would be surprised. I, I don't think they are different burgers.
1: Wow! So Burger King Whopper patties have those like tiny little pockets of I don't know fat congealed. I feel like on the on the bottom.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Do, do they both both patties have those? One hundred percent. As a chef, what do you what do you think of this scandal?
3: Well, my first impulse, I think, like most people, it's like a, it's a little upsetting, right? As a chef, it's like one of the worst fears ever. You know, like sending out something raw or like feeding a shellfish allergy person, like shrimp or, you know, like this is like a, a grave transgression against, you know, vegans. And, and it's like, it's, it's fucked up. And I, I, I feel bad for the vegans. And I, and I also like, you know, it sucks that like, you know, I just finished watching Chernobyl, you know, and like, it, it, you know, like, <laughs> I imagine there's, some, there's some, there's some situation where like, you know, he's like, he's an experienced 25 year old uh, nuclear engineers are like, just doing what they're told, and they're not trying to contaminate millions of people and, um, you know, give everybody cancer, but, like, they did, you know? And I don't know. So
1: you're equating this mistake on a level of the mistakes that happened at Chernobyl? Similar,
3: yeah. There's, like, similar principles at play here.
1: Understood. Trig and Jesse, thank you for doing some uh, reporting. On behalf of the EAFSA.
3: Yeah, if you want to verify, if you want to verify, just send us another round to one five nine Graham <laughs> Avenue. We'll happy to have to report. We'll send pictures along to <laughs> you. Have a good afternoon. Yeah. Talk to you there.
1: There. Chef Trig Brown confirmed that the regular whopper and the impossible whopper were in fact the same thing. Yes. And the driver did not say anything no. about it. No. 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 So, this is a big story because this is a bunch of people. Likely some vegans mm-hmm. being served a beef patty when they're expecting an impossible. And the problem is that the impossible is meant to taste like beef.
0: The whole marketing campaign is about how close to beef it is, like the yeah. commercials, that they can't tell the difference <laughs> between the regular Whopper and the impossible Whopper. Yeah. So maybe.
1: This story did huge, y- huge numbers. Huge numbers. Lots of people are interested in impossible. Mm hmm. I feel like a lot of people are kind of interested in things where the vegans get screwed a little bit. Yeah,
0: people have this weird dislike (laughs) for vegetarians and vegans. Like They like that the vegan got tricked, Yeah, which I think is a little mean-spirited.
1: I agree, and I actually had a similar thing like that. I did a similar thing like that a couple weeks ago, and I felt awful about it.
0: You tricked a vegetarian?
1: No, I'll tell you. I don't think she listens to the show, but Ellie, who works for us, Mm -hmm. is kosher and she almost accidentally ate something that wasn't kosher i was like hey did you eat the i don't know bacon donut or the donut which had bacon in it or mm-hmm. something like that and she was like no and i was like ah oh, darn and i was like why would i want her darn yeah i know <laughs> well anyway i felt bad it's just like you can tell that i'm internally mean spirited wow. but i yeah. i regretted it i you know i thought about it for hours and now i'm i'm improved i'm right anyway so i get i get that a little bit because I think there is amongst the vegan community, like, if I eat meat, these bad things will happen. So people get a kick out of watching them eat meat and nothing Mm. bad happens Mm -hmm. because they're like, oh, it's all psychological.
0: Do people – I don't think vegans think it's magic. No, but – I think it's more of an ethical –
1: of course. Some people, I think you'll hear vegans say like, oh, I couldn't eat meat now anyway because I would be sick for two weeks or something like oh,
0: that. Oh, I don't think the vegan eating super processed Impossible <laughs> Burgers is like doing it for the health.
1: No, 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 no. Of course not. I mean, or it's- Or like their gut. Uh, again, to, the Impossible Burger is pretty delicious. It's- Yeah. De I and mean, what do you think of this story?
0: <laughs> I think it's <laughs> wild because I see- This dystopian future where all kinds of restaurants just start passing off beef burgers as impossible because it's the trendy thing and there's shortages and then they can't get it and so then they're just like, oh, here's your impossible burger.
1: Wow, extra impossible sauce. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, we're the
0: only ones that make it taste really like, you know, like. Wow.
1: Yeah, we've got this special frying. If these
0: burgers are so similar to actual meat.
1: Yeah. See, I don't think it's like that. I don't think anyone's going to intentionally pass it off right. as the impossible.
0: What do you think happened with this manager, though? Like, it didn't just end up on the seamless page no, by I mean, my, accident, right? Do you I think, think it was
1: an accident. My My initial theory was that this was a problem, a corporate problem. They changed the seamless.
0: By yeah, Burger accident. Burger King
1: corporate. Burger King. Yeah, Burger King, Burger King. Sorry. Burger King, King, Burger King rolled corporate. Out seamless by accident, maybe as a trial for, like, imagery or something. Uh-huh. Left it on. To this one. To the one. Yeah. It's a... I mean, yeah. No. Okay, but... Okay, well, like, what is the other... To finish my theory, okay. and then... Sorry. It's there. The manager keeps getting orders for it, and then the manager says... Like, what is they? What are they going to do? They're not going to call everyone. Call. Yeah, probably call. But maybe they were I've being- I've gotten
0: calls when I've ordered delivery and they don't have true, the I've thing. That's true. I've gotten lots
1: of those calls. Maybe they were feeling lazy and they were just getting swarmed and then the first one came in and then they just sent out a beef thing. make sure to tell them, make sure to tell them. And then it just it's it snowballed. Okay? That's yeah. what I think.
0: You have a greater belief in humanity than I do.
1: I'm saying he was lazy.
0: I think it was malicious.
1: It, there's no way. Okay, talk me through the theory of how okay. you think that a an individual Burger King manager was like, I think, I think I can make some money on this.
0: I have no idea how the back end of Seamless works. So we're going to have to have someone call in and and tell us. But maybe it was an option that you can add. Burger King corporate adds it as an option. But you only add it if you actually have it. This manager's like, oh, let's see. Adds it to the Seamless. Okay. So and we're- then when the orders come in, it <laughs> says, all right. Just give them regular whoppers.
1: Okay, so let's say that's the case. Let's say this the manager. But the problem is, no one is no one stands to financially gain from this.
0: I'm the one franchise with the Impossible Burger. Yeah, in New York, come yeah, buy yeah. my Impossible Burger. <laughs> <laughs> but you're probably right. It was probably a mistake, and they should have called and they didn't. A mistake. And for them to think yeah. the mistake that ended up on their seamless, they shouldn't. You can't just assume it's like Swiss cheese or American cheese, and you can just sub it in and out like this is a completely different item. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Like if someone ordered
0: the fish sandwich and they sent a Whopper, that'd be so (laughs) weird.
1: Yeah, you couldn't do that. No. I think maybe the manager is like, oh, they taste really similar.
0: Maybe the manager doesn't understand what they are? They might not even get it. Right. Anyway, they immediately took it out of their seamless. (laughs) Daniel. Yo. The dating at Bumble (laughs) now is going to have a cafe in New York. Can't wait. Okay, so it is going to be a place I love that you're the one telling me about this. (laughs) Well, I have some questions for you. So, it is where people can take their dates on Bumble. Sure. And it's going to have actually good food, allegedly, because they're teaming up with the people behind Charlie Bird and Legacy Records, which are good restaurants. Would you go to the Bumble Cafe? No!
1: Why not? Absolutely not. I'm 100% going to go check it out, because- I'm so curious when something like this comes together, like, how how good can the food be at a Bumble Cafe? How much of their restaurant group's uh, infrastructure are they going to be able to uh, incorporate and, like, be passionate about at mm-hmm. a – a, I mean, a kind of a silly thing. I mean, maybe it's not silly, but, like – it's definitely not, it doesn't have the prestige of a restaurant
0: opening. Right, but as far as branded restaurants go, where yeah. does this rank? You have the Lexus Cafe that Danny Meyer's doing, where it's like fancy, high-end tasting menus from people around the world. You've got, is mm-hmm. there like a BMW something in, Williams, in Greenpoint?
1: I think there is. That's like the like that. Klaus
0: Meyer's doing.
1: Yeah, there's the uh, Restoration Hardware.
0: Restoration Hardware restaurant. thing.
1: There's, uh, the, okay, so this, the major difference for me is that I feel like Danny Meyer at Lexus his name is super on the line, and I feel like right. he's going to work even harder to make that restaurant great so that he doesn't get called a sellout. Mm-hmm. But here, it's like there's well, something. Well, the
0: concept is very ambitious. This is
1: silly small plates and yeah. salads and stuff. And even if it's awful, I personally, like however I feel about their restaurant group, if this was awful, I don't think I would. If it was amazing, it would be like points for them. Yeah. If this was awful, I wouldn't be like, you would be like I'm not going to their next uh, place. Yeah, I just it's
0: just like it's just, it's just some solid thing. Yeah. Uh, one funny thing, speaking of the food, mm-hmm. the place will offer small plates designed specifically not to embarrass people who are taking a meeting, <laughs> be it romantic or business. Yeah, there won't be chicken wings or burgers dripping with special sauce. No spaghetti. Nothing that would be awkward for a first date.
1: Right. So they're tailoring the food.
0: To- what's what's first date food?
1: I don't know mini donuts. I'm not sure. Mini donuts. I mean, I'm just saying. I think that they would want food that they don't want any food that's going to have any kind of intensive. Like you would never do crabs with a bib. Like wouldn't crawfish. that be kind
0: of like a fun first date S- for to me? Say a lot about you. Yeah, I'd like be game. let's get messy. <laughs> that's
1: not exactly what I'm trying
0: to say.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I agree. I think that doing spaghetti, something
0: spaghetti. I mean, I think that's a little
1: doing. Well, is that they have spaghetti or they don't?
0: They won't have spaghetti.
1: Wow, I feel like that's so Lady in the Tramp. That's such a it's iconic romantic. romantic date thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they don't want anything interactive. But I don't. I mean, if you don't want anything interactive, I don't know. What other uh, enhancements are they making to this space to make it dating appropriate? Like, how far are they going to go? Are they going to do just no messy food? <laughs> no messy food, but are they going to do like uh, flattering lighting? Okay. Up next, the Michelin Guide. Finally released its California guide, Michelin, California.
0: Michelin, California, for which the state paid $600,000.
1: Yeah. So the Michelin guide finally came out again in California. It hasn't been in L.A. for like 10 years.
0: Mm -hmm. It was just in San Francisco. They were in L.A. 10 years ago and then left. And now they're back with an entire guide to the state.
1: (laughs) Sponsored by the state.
0: Sponsored by the state.
1: Um. What was your major takeaway? I mean, there was a lot. Of, there was a few things that came out of this, but
0: the the biggest takeaway seemed to be that everyone in Los Angeles was pissed. <laughs> yeah. Um, because they didn't really represent the the breadth of the restaurant scene there or how Los Angelinos eat. There were mm-hmm. no three-star restaurants, and think there weren't. There wasn't a lot of diversity of choice there, which yeah. is not super surprising for Michelin. Michelin I mean, just
1: they, did what Michelin does.
0: Well, some people were saying. You know, they've crowned food carts in Asia and, like, hawker stalls. Why can't they do that in L.A.? But it doesn't really surprise me that they didn't. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Again, it just reminds me how how collectible the Michelin stars are. And, you know, acquiring all of the country's three-star restaurants is, like— from a branding and packaging perspective, is is exciting, and it annoys me mm-hmm. how good they are at creating like this list system, right? Which it's the so shorthand. cleanly, like encompasses a city's dining, according to them, right. So it's, but yeah, I mean, I've was just eating. Yeah, in it's LA. a clean,
0: it's a clean ranking. It's it's something that you can easily shorthand say like, oh, I went to this three star Michelin.
1: It just reminds me, and they want, they just want a specific thing. I don't know what to say about the, the the food carts in in Singapore and in Thailand because it's cool that they gave them stars, but that seems to be the example that people keep going back to, mm-hmm. like, oh, they're really expanding their horizons. Remember the the hawker stall? <laughs> right. Uh, I gotta say. Best meal I think I had last year was with eater editor Farley Elliott in LA at Bavel.
0: Ooh. Mm-hmm.
1: And they certainly did not get a star.
0: No. no. No, no.
1: And Naka, which a lot of people consider to be one of the country's greatest restaurants, mm-hmm. is it two. Vespertine, our most, probably the country's most Weirdest. strange and unique dining experience. Mm-hmm. Is that a two? Yeah. The biggest thing for me, and maybe I'm just being practical, overly practical again, but it's just like, just give one of the taco trucks. A Michelin star. Just
0: give them a star. So give people can someone get off your a back. star, yeah. and then
1: it, you're not. And then you might. People are gonna like you more.
0: That's what I would have said in the team meeting. Just, just, give, just, just pick throw one. one of those trucks a star. Yeah,
1: ask. And then you won't
0: get all the tweets. and everybody'll be fine.
1: Throw one of them. Throw a couple of them a star. Throw. Uh, you just do something cool, and they didn't. And yeah. it's just like they just played it. Yeah, so, it was so it was so very so
0: predictable. I thought it was very funny in San Diego. Um, <laughs> only one restaurant got a star. Yeah, one restaurant got one star. The entire city of San Diego, and they were all so excited. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they were so excited for this to come out, and then it was like, wah, wah.
2: "San Diego is um, excited."
0: Yeah, 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 it's like the food scene finally getting the recognition. Finally, Michelin. I was like here's your one yeah. star. But our editor interviewed some restaurant expert there, and I, I loved his take, which was, San Diego will never get Michelin stars because this is such a like surfer mm-hmm. culture city. No one cares. No <laughs> one cares about fine dining. No one's yeah. investing in fine dining. That's not what does well here. Like They have tons of great breweries mm-hmm. and some good tacos, but mm-hmm. like it's not going to happen, guys. Chill. Yeah, which one is kind star. Of funny. The whole city has one. Yeah, I wonder. You're how gonna they, get your one star, and that's it. And it's fine. We should
1: call them and see how they feel about being the only <laughs> restaurant with a star in the city. <laughs> the
0: only restaurant deemed as decent by Michelin.
1: I don't want to attack. I don't want to attack any New York restaurants with single stars, but there are some restaurants that you'll just stumble across that have a star. Yeah, and you're like, huh? And they're like, what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a good reminder that you shouldn't be using Michelin to uh, be your guide as you travel. Mm-hmm. Eater.
1: Eater is a better is a much eater better. LA, guide. Eater LA, eater Diego. Let San me tell Diego, you how you can go to a city.
0: Eater SF.
1: This is how you go and eat at a city. Start with the eater guide, pick something on the heat map that you feel like best interest uh that you feel like is is is, is gonna be best tailored to your interests. Mm-hmm. Sit at the bar, ideally alone, and then like ask the bartender where the next place you should go is and do this three times, and you will have a much better grasp of a city's dining scene than I can't. I mean, then any other way, unless you just follow the whole heat map. I guess that's a that's a good move.
0: No, it's, I love that move. Mm-hmm. Daniel, we have Greg Morbido back on the show, pop culture editor at Eater, to talk about the latest in food TVs and movies. Hey, Greg. Should hey, we,
1: Amanda and Dan. Should we ring them off all at once, or should we divide these into? I mean, there animals? are
0: there are so
2: many. There's just so
1: much food TV going on right now. Yeah, there's. Greg, a is lo- it a good time to be a a professional covering television food?
2: I think it is. It's been a very busy month, I'd say, because there have been a lot of exciting things landing on Netflix. I think we're about to go into somewhat of a food TV dry spell, Ooh. Oh, but I view that as an opportunity to like find something cool from the archives, you know? <laughs> 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 Good yeah. twist. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, Netflix has had some pretty fun movies that have kind of had food angles, and also a few great shows like Did You Guys See Wine Country? I tried to watch Wine Country. Didn't like it.
0: Couldn't get into it, but I think if it were the right situation, I could. Like, on an airplane. It's definitely
2: an airplane movie, yeah.
0: Or, like, very like intoxicated <laughs> by something.
2: Maybe. Have you seen it, Dan? I have not seen Wine Country, no. So, I have a kind of, maybe this is a weird argument about Wine Country, but I feel like somebody like Adam Sandler has gotten to make, like, 30 movies It's just him and his bros just screwing around Mm -hmm. and just being themselves on camera. And I feel like it's like that movie, but with these awesome, hilarious ladies from SNL. Right. And it works on that level. Like, it's very entertaining from scene to scene, I think. But story, Mm -hmm. character development, plot. mm, (laughs) Not a lot of that. Not a lot of that? Yeah. I'll give that
1: that another shot. How much do they engage with actual um, wine jargon?
2: Well, the funny thing is, is that none of the characters are wine snobs at all and it's kind of like a running joke where they go to these wineries mm-hmm. and you know they're like what's that wine called and then somebody will say uh, I think that's white wine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so is not, that level. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of wine country humor in it though kind of like lampooning pe- you know that, that whole sort of luxurious scene of people that mm-hmm. take deep sniffs of the wine and I mean not that that's a pretentious thing at all. It's <laughs> like yeah. a, a fairly common part of the wine enjoying experience but yeah, there's there's I think there's some pretty good, you know, wine humor in it. Might not appeal to the diehard fans of a movie like Psalm, but mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it. So um but yeah, the 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 show I got kind of hyped on, um which Amanda, I think we chatted about this and maybe you didn't like it as well. <laughs> I, either, I don't love
0: it as much, but I I'm also gonna give this one another chance.
2: Is uh the Chef show, which just was kind of a surprise. I didn't mm. know so many
0: people loved Chef the movie, that it could be spun out into
2: a show, but apparently that was it my was big, big that was my big surprise too so it chef
1: used... was the there's a movie chef John favreau. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it seven years ago?
2: I think it was seven years ago, okay. yeah,
1: and they spun it well the the story of it was, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that when they were shooting it, uh, Roy choi, famous l a chef, was consulting on the show, yeah. And then the two of them, Favreau and Choi, were kind of having like little dinner parties during the shooting of it?
2: Pretty pretty close. The timeline's a little bit different. Okay. Um, so I guess that if you really want to bring it back, when they were shooting Iron Man 2, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow, who, you know, is an in-the-know food person, she hired the Kogi food truck as like a catering surprise for the Iron Man 2 staff and crew. And John Favreau like tasted the tacos and was like, I I didn't know that this you know what is this food? It's so good. And then he you know when he started did the chef movie, he was like, you know who's that guy? And so they he brought wow. Roy Choi on and Ray Troy was like I'm gonna do this but only if you like do everything I say if you do everything as, like <laughs> to like how it's done in the kitchen he like uh, put John Favreau to work in some of his restaurants and taught him how to do all this stuff and then like watching the movie Chef I couldn't re- like that didn't really stick out in my mind that like they were chopping the parsley like chefs actually do
0: but it wasn't there was nothing off in that movie whereas if right. you watch Burnt where oh, yeah. Bourdain supposedly was the consultant on that mm-hmm. I think maybe he he didn't take it as seriously as Roy Choi took his job because burnt sucked.
1: Bourdain didn't have that moment where like if we're gonna do this, we're gonna do it right. You're gonna follow every word. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) You're gonna stage for six months. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess they were "Eh, yeah. That
2: looks fine. You (laughs) made (laughs) my I guess they were pretty hardcore about getting those details right, and I honestly did not know this, but I guess that movie has a huge cult following, Mm -hmm. and people apparently make dishes from that movie and like find Roy Choi and John Favreau on Twitter and are like, what do you think? And, like, people have, like, the El Jefe tattoos that he has in that movie. Oh, yeah. They have, like, the pasta fork tattoo. Big time. It's like this you whole know thing. This? He was just telling me breakfast oh yesterday. <laughs> yeah, but... So, you know, they said, oh, well, you know, th- this has been this... Th- it's a pop culture phenomenon, but also those two guys liked cooking together. That's that's their story. And they said they needed to find another reason to cook together. They're busy. I mean, John Favreau's, like, probably got more juice in Hollywood than anyone right now. He's making, like a Star Wars series. He's doing The Lion King, mm-hmm. you know. Wow. It is everything. And I guess they they figured this out as an excuse to cook together. And yes, as you mentioned, they did film it sort of slapdash over the last three years. Sometimes it was... Dinners with some of the Avengers people. Sometimes it was like they went to go cook at uh, Aaron Franklin's Hot Luck Festival and they just sort of filmed that and filmed Oh, and this there. is what the show
0: is? That's what the show oh, is. Oh, so from episode to episode it's it's gonna be very different,
2: right? It's just like random stuff that's just they random did.
0: scenes of these two guys. Yeah, with but celebrities. Like, <laughs> but
2: like most of it is just the two of them in I don't know whose kitchen, but just like like there are some episodes where it's just the two of them cooking through like two recipes and showing every step and then like Roy Choi sort of being like, okay, so this is why we do this, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of like laying laying some some good context behind it, and John Favreau being like, oh, I didn't I didn't know that or whatever, you know, <laughs> but um, on that level, I think it is actually very informative. Like oh, I learned cool. a lot about cool. cooking All stuff. Right, I'm gonna you know? watch more of this shit.
1: Always be my maybe.
2: Always be my maybe. Yeah, I thought. Have you guys seen it? No. No. Are you guys kidding? What are you doing? <laughs> what do you watch <laughs> on the weekends? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of. TV out there. So, okay, so it's a rom-com from Ali Wong and Randall Park, who are good friends, I guess, in real real life. And so it's a romantic comedy, you know, (laughs) they grew up together, they went their separate ways, they come back, and she's this big celebrity chef who, like, Mm -hmm. opens a restaurant every three months in a different city. And, you know, she's working at these trendy restaurants, and then they rekindle their relationship, and at the very end of the movie... She opens this restaurant. It's like the thing leading up – they keep leading up to it. Like, what's it going to be like? What's going to be like? And it's called, like, Judy's Restaurant. And it's an <laughs> homage to how she learned to cook from his mom growing up. And it's, like, the dishes that she served Aww. growing up. But there are other moments in the film where Randall Park says, like, criticizes her food as being, like, too pretentious and being, like, authentic food is the only good food. So, you know, that is, you know, as – my colleague Jenny Zhang put it like it's like the trap of authenticity. It's you know a very loaded idea uh, that especially for Asian Americans, Asian American chefs. Um, when I was watching it, I just sort of thought it was like the sweet coda to like it's a tribute to the thing, the bond that they've had their whole life, mm-hmm. which is like his mom, his mom, and how they kind of took her in their family and cooked together. So I do think there's a lot of different ways to interpret it, and um, I also thought, like watching it, that well, you know, celebrity chefs sometimes do do stuff like that, though. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they do open these stupid restaurants that are flashy, and then they say, "Oh, so her now original I'm doing... restaurant is kind of stupid." Well, it's like a big city sizzle place. You see people like tossing pans full of fire, and you know she's kind of barking orders at people, and it's maybe like a tasting menu restaurant or something. You know, I'm gonna
0: watch this, I'm gonna and watch then this yeah, like at the end, it's it.
2: like. The big the big New York City opening is actually this sort of, like, small restaurant that's serving kimchi stew. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, I'm— I've How's really... the
0: romance, though?
2: Oh, it's great. That's all I care Oh, about. yeah. I would watch—my immediate, like, thought after seeing the movie is I would watch two or three more romantic comedies just with those two. Like, they could mm. be the new, you know, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Oh, you know? I love
0: that. Speaking of Ali Wong— Mm-hmm. I want to throw in a shout out for a show I am watching, Tuca Mm -hmm. and Birdie.
2: Oh yeah, that show's great. It's so
0: good. Everyone go watch it. It's an animated show with her, um, who's the other person? Tiffany Haddish? Yes. Uh, And it's just like super, super silly. Mm -hmm. And she is a baker. She becomes a baker on the show. So there is a food element. Uh, Daniel, another story out of New York that I want to tell you about. The Four Seasons restaurant is closing after less than a year.
1: It the was new Four the
0: Seasons. The new Four Seasons. It was very dramatic. Can you give me this a
1: 20-second background? Oh, yeah. let me do, try. Do, do, the Four forest- Seasons-
0: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the Four Seasons- Yep. There's a restaurant in the Seagram Building in New York. Iconic interior. I think it might be landmarked. Uh, interior landmark. Okay. It opened in 1959. Kind of invented the power lunch. hmm And- it was going strong for a while. One important thing to know is one of the co-owners Julian Nicolini, uh, is bad, bad guy, confirmed bad guy, pleaded guilty to assaulting mm-hmm. a woman, um, creep in general. Like I always found him creepy. I've talked about this before in the show. Uh, he and his partner got kicked out when a new landlord, a B Rosen, bought the building. Mm-hmm. and a B brought in. The major food group to kind of redo the Four Seasons. They opened the grill and it's been huge success, right? Yeah. It cost them $30 million to reopen, which got a lot of press because it was so expensive. So they redid everything that they could because it's landmarked, um, opened this big grand restaurant, people love it, whatever. The old Four Seasons guys open their own place a few blocks away, cost them $40 million. $40 million. $40 million. Dollars. Wow. And they were very you know, boastful about it, that all of their clients would come back, the Martha Stewart's of the world would continue to go to their restaurant. I have heard nothing about it since it opened, and now it's closing.
1: And it's closing. How long?
0: Yeah, Less than a year. They ended up kicking out Julian Nicolini, the yeah. bad, confirmed bad man partner, after Pete Wells's review mentioned, you know, that he's a shitty guy running a restaurant, and he was very conflicted about reviewing it and and all this. Uh, (laughs) So, just kind of.
1: I mean, that's one of the biggest, quickest kerplunks ever. I haven't heard of, because to spend that much money on a restaurant is unheard of. So much money. And to close that fast is not unheard of, but is unheard of for something with such a name. Yeah. Wow, what a choke.
0: Yeah, and... Edward Bromfman, one of the big investors, like super rich New York guy, Mm -hmm. was just like, oh, the business just wasn't there. It's like, (laughs) on to better things. (gasps) Onward. So, $40 million. Okay.
1: Pete Wells, in his review, said that the food was better than it had ever been.
0: He loved it. Yeah, they yeah. brought a new chef. They had a great pastry chef. Like everything, so seemed like it's a good team. But you have to get people to want to go to that place. And who wants to is go? Is Kissinger
1: there? still alive? He was a big fan.
0: Yeah, but like you can't survive on Kissinger and Martha Stewart alone.
1: Yeah. So does this give you some more
0: criminal and actual <laughs> convicted criminal?
1: <laughs> Although we love Martha,
0: <laughs> love Martha.
1: Oh, you were saying Nicolini and Kissinger.
0: No, no. Okay, Nicolini Martha. And right? Martha yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> one only one of them's been to jail. Only
0: one went to jail. And for... it's the one who makes
1: a home beautiful. Yes. <laughs> Does this give you some confidence in the state of the dining public's interest in I don't know, interest, but like following of lawsuits and
0: I'm not, I can't say for sure what made this fail, but mm-hmm. I I do think it shows that people are paying attention to those kinds of things. Also, I think they're out of touch with what today's diners want. Yeah. So, they were they very much going after there. an older rich crowd, and even those older rich people want to eat at cool restaurants. And that was AB's big thing when he relaunched the Four Seasons as the Grill, is he was saying, "I want a completely different crowd in here, the young people Who they might have ripped jeans Mm -hmm. or might look like crap, but they're actually worth a billion dollars. I want those people in here. I don't want all these fusty old.
1: And also, if you make the place comfortable enough, you'll still get all the old clientele. Yeah. Did you go into the new Four Seasons with their renovation?
0: No, I never went.
1: I wonder how – because I think one of the things from the grill room that is most striking is just like you walk in there and you – Maybe more so than any kind of New York establishment, you're like, I get it. This is this is the power. Like this is the Rockefeller shit that I've heard all about from the city. The
0: interior of the grill, formerly known as the Four Seasons, is gorgeous. Yeah, like there's a reason why it's a landmark. And maybe these Four Seasons guys who moved on were I don't know high on their own supply. Like they thought it was them when really it's the room. It was just the space. Yeah, you have a gorgeous space like that and as long as the food is good, people are going to go there. I mean, the Four Seasons back in the day, the food wasn't even good, and people yeah. went there. And it was so overpriced. So, I don't know. It was Jokes you know. on them. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for the chef, who's very talented, who now doesn't have a job, and everyone who worked there. That's very unfortunate. Um, but it does go to show that, I don't know, you have to pay attention to what's going on in the dining world. <laughs> Daniel, we did it!
1: <laughs> Sorry, took a little dash of uh, San Pellegrino there.
0: Daniel, we are at the end of the show. We I want sure to say are. one thing. Apologies Four. to the super fans for not having an episode last week because they were counting on us mm-hmm. and we did not deliver. But, but what did
1: you tell me? That maybe if we come up with a new name for the show, and we get merch, then we're going to send some out to super fans.
0: Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Well maybe if we get if we can get some merch together, we will send it to our super fans. Um, <laughs> Programming note: I'm gonna be traveling for work next week, so Daniel is on his own, and he's gonna be doing something surprising. We'll find out.
1: Yeah, we'll find. I mean,
0: you will have a show on Friday. It will not include me, but it is sure to be a great time.
1: Yeah, a good dance solo hang.
0: Mm-hmm. A lot of people love those. <laughs> good dance solo hang. <laughs>